Well, one of my favorite books growing up as a kid was Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Anybody else read that book? Do you, do you remember that at all? If, if, if those of you who don't, or if you do remember, Alexander uh, wakes up with gum in his hair, uh, gets in trouble for fighting with his brothers, finds out he has a cavity, is served lima beans for dinner, which makes it especially terrible apparently, and is stuck wearing railroad pajamas to bed, uh, an overall terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And his solution, of course, is to move to Australia until his mom reminds him, days are just like that. Even in Australia, bad things might happen. And, and we know it's true, right? Someday bad things do happen. For example, some days you try to take a shortcut and end up driving in wet cement. That right there is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Uh, some days you think you're having a good day, but then you really regret getting on that one last roller coaster. That certainly turned into a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Or, or what about the day when you're not only in an accident, but you were transporting large paint cans at the time? That right there is a, would you say it with me? Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Now we can laugh at those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days, but what about when the picture is not so funny? When you get called into the boss's office to receive some really bad news? when someone you love receives a horrible diagnosis, when you turn on the news and it's story after story of no good, very bad days. During those times, not only is it hard to find humor, some, sometimes I wonder if it is hard to find God. Just say, if you're in a place like that right now, I wanna stop for a moment and assure you, you are not alone. There is story after story of pain and suffering in the Bible and throughout history. I've got my own stories of pain and suffering. I know this room is filled with those stories. If you are in a bad day season, you are not the first. You will not be the last to ask a question. Where is God in all of this? Why does God allow this pain and suffering? Today, we're continuing with this series called Explore God, and, and during this series, we're joining together hundreds of other Bay Area churches to explore some really big questions about God and faith and purpose, and I'll just say what I said the first week. Our intention, you know, it is not to try to convince you of anything or, or provide pat answers that never really try to resolve the difficult questions. It's to invite you to explore some questions with us. And I think today's question, why does God allow pain and suffering, is one of the hardest. Because this is not just an intellectual question, right? This is one that impacts us personally through our own pain, through the pain of the people that we love. Sometimes we ask this question because we can't make sense of all the evil in our world. Day after day, we hear stories of the vulnerable being, vulnerable being exploited and, and the innocent victimized and the blameless suffering. I don't know about you last weekend, but when I turned on the news and watched terrorists from Hamas paratrooping into Israel to a music festival, killing people and dragging innocent people across the border, I thought about this question. We have been watching this play out all week in the Mideast, in the Gaza Strip as well. I hope you are praying for people who are involved in all of this. We've been watching all of this all year in the Ukraine. We, we feel this question, don't we? It is raw, it is tender like an exposed nerve. And so navigating this one is not easy. Let me tell you what we're not gonna do today. We're not gonna solve the issue 
of pain and suffering. I won't insult you by pretending it's that simple. We're not gonna minimize pain and suffering by, by providing simple platitudes like uh, everything happens for a reason or good news, God won't give you more than you can handle. We're not gonna say that. We're not gonna tell you your situation will get better if you just have enough faith because that's just not how God works. Instead, what we are gonna do today is invite all of you to wrestle with this question and enter into a conversation that is honest, that is open. And I can't think of a better place to start than Habakkuk. Now, my guess is most of us would say, Hubba who? What are you, Habakkuk? Habakkuk is not a Bible character that we hear a lot about. So let me, let me take a second and tell you about who he was, all right? Habakkuk was a seventh century prophet living in the final decades before Israel's southern kingdom was destroyed by Babylon. This is a time where Israel was doing lots of not so good things injustice toward other people, uh, idol worship, if I'm naming a few. But what's weird is unlike other prophets in the Bible, Habakkuk does not call Israel to repent in this moment. Instead, his words are addressed to God. The book of Habakkuk documents this very personal struggle to believe that God is good when there's so much pain and suffering in the world around him. And his short book starts with these desperate words. Take a look at these. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. Does that sound familiar? Aren't those questions that we could still ask today? Couldn't those questions be, be spoken in Israel today? The, the same words spoken in Palestine? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing this suffering to continue? Why don't you care about all of this pain? Why? Those are hard, difficult questions. And I show you this because, because you should know you're not the only one to have asked them. One of God's prophets was asking these very same questions too. But can I tell you, I do wonder if they may be harder for us to answer than someone in Habakkuk's time. This question right here, why does God allow pain and suffering? I think in 2023, it is harder to answer this question than it was in the seventh century BC when Habakkuk lived. I say that because I think there are some things about our culture today that make the answers to this question very hard for us to understand. See, I wonder if there aren't some lies we believe that make it challenging to answer that question. And you and I have absorbed these lies because we're part of this culture and, and they've made it harder for us to deal with pain and suffering in our world. And what I wanna do today is, is give you some answers to this question, but as I do, I also wanna share with you some cultural lies that we've fallen for that make it hard to understand these answers. So I'm gonna give you an answer and then follow it with a lie that makes it hard to accept the answer, all right? Let me give you the first one. One way that some Christians might answer the question of why God allows pain and suffering. Answer number one, because while suffering is not good, it can be good for us. Let me say that one again. Suffering is not good, but it can be good for you. You see, suffering develops you. You become who you become because of all the experiences you've gone through. And while God is not planning suffering for you, he is using it to make you into something special and unique and useful and good. 
I have a friend uh, around Crosswinds here. His name is Mark Williams. You've heard me talk about Mark before. He's been so instrumental in helping us develop Goodness Village. And Mark came to us recently, and he asked if he could start a ministry at Crosswinds to people who are sick and dying. Uh, Mark just has a heart for that. Uh, almost every month, you'll find him down front with our, our pastors and our elders just praying for people who are going through some stuff. And uh, this past Sunday, I was introducing Mark to some people out in the courtyard, and, and I explained that he was starting this ministry to the sick and dying at Crosswinds. And, and the person I introduced him to said, Mark, it is great that you have a heart for people in those situations. And Mark said, well, it started when my mom was in a nursing home. Uh, we put her in the Disneyland of nursing homes. There was so much happening around there, so many ways to connect with other people, and we found out after a while she was always in her room. She was isolated. She would never leave her room. When we, when we would show up, she'd be so happy to finally see another person, and Mark's pain of watching his mom go through this did something in Mark. It made him empathetic. It deepened his compassion. It made him care for people in a way that, in a way that he might not had uh, had he not gone through that? So one way that some people might answer that question, why does God allow suffering and pain? Because while suffering is not good, it is not good, no doubt about that, suffering still makes you who you are. It develops you. Now, I need to say, this does not mean that God is causing the suffering in your life if he's using it to develop you. Let me say that again. God is not causing the suffering in your life when he's using it to develop you. No, he's actually taking the bad and he's trying to work it for good. He's redeeming your suffering. He's giving it value towards the future. And, and often it's value towards somebody else's suffering. He's changing you with it. He does not cause it, but he will use it to do something good in you and through you. Now, let me tell you why this answer is hard for us. Because we've absorbed a cultural lie, a lie that makes this answer kind of unsatisfying. Can I tell you the lie? You ready? The goal of life is to be happy. In our culture, we, we've absorbed this value that the ultimate goal, the meaning of life, is happiness. Think about that. Every day, we're bombarded with commercials and social media posts telling us we deserve to be happy, and the next car, the next smartphone, the, the relationship, your vacation, that is all you need to get there. Um, think about this. Our, our own Declaration of Independence states, the pursuit of happiness is one of our unalienable rights. Think about that. We value happiness so much, striving toward it is a legal right in our country, and it should be. But the thing is, believing the goal of your life is to be happy, that is dangerous. And why? Why is that dangerous? Because if the meaning of life is happiness, then any experience you have of suffering destroys your life's meaning. Suffering can't develop us if it destroys what, what we're here to experience, happiness. Pain and suffering, they stand in opposition to happiness. And because of that, in our culture, suffering can have no meaning. It can only be bad. Author and pastor Tim Keller, who passed away recently, he, he wrote this. In the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life. Only as an interruption, and I would add, to our happiness. So we ask this question today. Why does God allow pain? Why does he allow suffering? We can come up with a decent answer, but if you believe that happiness is the point of your life, like that's why you're here, then this answer will not suffice. 
Now, I'll tell you, God loves you. He cares about your happiness, but it's not the point of your life. And I'll tell you, I, for one, am glad. I, I am a better person because of the suffering in my life that was not good, but God used for good. Like, I think of the breakups I had before I met Andrea. Um, can I tell you, almost every one of those girls or women that I, I, I dated, I was devastated when we broke up. I thought, my life is over. What am I gonna do without so-and-so? Oh, the pain and the suffering. But had I not gone through them, I would not have Andrea. As the Rascal Flats country song says, every long lost dream led me to where you are. Others who broke my heart, they were like northern stars, pointing me on the way into your love arms. God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. I am a better husband now, and I knew that Andrea was the right one because, oh, thank you. <laughs> You're applauding Andrea. That's what it is. Uh, I'm better, and I knew she was the right one because I was made better through some relationships that caused me some pain, right? Plus, some of them were real clunkers. I dodged a few bullets there, you guys. <laughs> Or they did, I'm not sure which one of those is true. While suffering is not good, it can be good for you. All right, let me give you another answer to this question. And, and I'll just give a disclaimer. This is one answer, there are others like the first one that I gave you. Not everybody would agree with this answer, but I'll tell you, it's one that I believe real firmly. Why does God allow pain and suffering? Because he gave you and I free will and we do things to others and ourselves that cause pain and suffering. You are free to choose. And sometimes you choose and I choose things that bring pain into this world. What is true? Your choices and other people's choices can and do cause pain. If I run a red light and I get a ticket, I brought that on myself. I chose that pain. Um, if I eat bacon every morning and have high cholesterol, I brought that on myself, I made a choice. Um, if at my age, I see a game of dodgeball happening with a bunch of students in youth ministry, and I think, I can do that. Watch me win at dodgeball like I did when I was 15, and then I throw out my back and can barely move for two weeks, true story. <laughs> if I do that, I experience pain and God allows me to experience that pain because it is the natural outflow of giving me the freedom to choose. You are not a robot. Turn and tell the person next to you, you are not a robot. Will you look at them and let them know that? God did not program you to do what he wants you to do. He made you to be free and do what you want to do or really to choose to do what he wants you to do. And with that freedom comes the capacity for you to choose things that bring pain into your life. You cause it and other people cause suffering too. Look, if your loved one got hit by a drunk driver, that's not fair and that's not right and they didn't deserve it and God didn't cause it, and they experienced pain because someone else made a terrible choice and you experienced pain because of that choice. And the real question is, why does God allow that? Why does he allow us to make choices that bring ourselves and other people pain? Because what it means to be made in the image of God is for you to be free to choose, to design, to chart your own course and what it means to love someone is to set them free to choose. And God wants a relationship with you and a relationship that is made up of people who don't choose to be in a relationship, that's not a relationship, that's a dictatorship. 
If God took away your freedom to choose, you would be a computer, you would be a robot. You wouldn't even be free to ask this question about why he allows pain and suffering. And I'll tell you what, you also wouldn't be free to experience joy and love. Because what makes love love is knowing that the person who loves you is choosing to. They didn't have to, they chose you. One way that we answer this question of why does God allow, okay, by recognizing allowing is the byproduct of giving us free will. And when we have it, we can do wonderful, joyful, loving things. And sometimes we can bring pain on ourselves and on others. Now, what is the cultural lie that we've absorbed that makes this answer so hard? You ready? If I do good, I will be rewarded. And if I do bad, I will be punished. A second lie that we've absorbed is the lie of karma. If we're honest, I think we secretly, maybe it's not so secretly, we want to believe in karma. We want to believe life works very straightforward and predictably. If I do good, I'll be rewarded. If I do bad, I'll be punished. And, and, and let me just say, this is kind of what we see when we look at the Old Testament. God tells his people, you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey, I will punish. But by the end of the Old Testament period, people were seeing that concept break down. And, and, and you see it break down, don't you? Good people have bad things happen. And sometimes it seems like people who, who, who do lots of evils thrive. And by the time Jesus comes on the scene, he points out that this is a lie they are believing. Jesus says, he, referring to God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What he's saying is, good circumstances do not mean God is pleased with you any more than pain and suffering can be seen as punishments for wrongdoing. You can check all the boxes to please God. You can read the Bible, you can pray, you can go to church, you can tithe, you can volunteer. None of that guarantees your life will not be hard. Your marriage may still fall apart. Your kids may still get mixed up with the wrong crowd. You might still get sick or injured. Jesus was profoundly realistic because he tells us suffering is inevitable. Nobody escapes it. Everyone's going to experience it. The scriptures are terribly matter-of-fact about that reality. Our world is full of pain. And, and, and it's just not true that only the evil have bad things happen and good people always have it easy. And if you fall for that lie, then you tend to struggle with this answer, that sometimes pain happens and it's not your fault. Sometimes it's somebody else who's exerting their free will. Now, real quick, if you're here because you're really exploring God, you're exploring Jesus, you're trying to figure out who he is and what Christianity is all about, I need to tell you that in so many ways, Jesus was all about the opposite of karma. His death on the cross was to give you grace, which is the opposite of you get what you deserve. I've sinned, you've sinned, there should be some consequences for that for you and me. And Jesus said, I'll take those consequences. I will take them with me to the cross. And personally, I am so glad we don't live in a karma system where he responds to our actions, where God responds with punishment. Let me tell you, I don't want to get what I deserve when it comes to God. I want grace. Even when you do not deserve God's love or eternal life, Jesus' death on the cross to take away our sins was to give you grace. 
Grace is you getting what you don't deserve, what you didn't earn. Karma says you get what you deserve. Jesus says, I have a better plan. How about you get undeserved forgiveness? Okay, one more answer I wanna give you today. But this time I wanna give you the cultural lie we tend to believe that messes with it first, all right? This one I'm gonna do a little bit backwards. The cultural lie that messes with the answer I'm gonna give you in a few minutes is I have to be okay right now. Part of why we struggle to answer this question about pain and suffering, we're under the misconception that when we're going through something, we have to get through it as quickly as possible. Um, I am amazed at how Amazon can deliver a TV to my front door hours after I click buy, right? Or a hot tub. Did you know that you can get a jacuzzi on Amazon in two days? I don't know that it's one you'd want, but you can, all right? And we have grown to expect now, quick, fast, and that's great for Amazon purchases, but it is not so practical when it comes to broken bones and broken hearts. When we approach pain and suffering with a, a, a get through it fast attitude, we fail to recognize there is a long, slow process to healing and restoration. Do you know that there's a special type of starfish called a linkia? and it can regenerate its entire body from one single arm. From one arm, it can grow a new central disc and four new arms. But here's the thing, here's the thing. It takes more than 10 months, 10 months, which is a long time when you consider that the average lifespan of Alinkia is only 10 years. That is a long process, but that starfish can be restored. And that lie that we have to be better now, that I've got to get through this now, it's just not true. Healing from pain and, and suffering, that doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen with broken bones. It certainly isn't going to happen with broken hearts. It doesn't happen with, with senseless crimes or systemic injustice. It is okay to not be okay right now. Which leads me to the third answer, and it's the one that the, the, the lie that messes with, why does God allow these things? Because God sometimes meets you best in the darkest of times. I got a question for you. Have you ever wondered why three days? Why would God wait three days to raise Jesus from the grave? I mean, why not like 20 minutes? Why not one night? If I were gonna raise Jesus, I'd wanna do it quickly before the disciples all, all got panicked, before his followers start scattering like mice, but three days? I can't help but wonder if there's something about the darkness, something about the weight, the darkness of the tomb. Sometimes God meets us best in the darkness. You can't roll a stone away without there being a body in a tomb. You can't appear to followers on the road to Emmaus without having those followers heading home thinking that their savior is dead. You can't make a blind man see without him first being blind. Why is it God might allow pain and suffering? Because often in our pain, we realize that we need him. Habakkuk cries out, God, why are you not answering my prayers? Why do you allow suffering to continue? Why don't you care about all of my pain? And God answers, I am answering your prayers. I will rescue you. And I care, oh, I care more than you could possibly know. And can I suggest to you this morning that well, why, that's a fair question, and, and it's one that has been answered at least those three ways and many, many others. There might be a better question. We could be asking, where? 
where is God in our pain and our suffering? Where is God in the darkest of moments? Can we discover him in our despair? And I'll just tell you, the best place to look for God in the middle of our pain is to look to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we find a God who suffered. Remember, God didn't come to earth in the person of Jesus to sit on a throne. He came to hang on a cross. Jesus came to rescue us from a world that had been corrupted by evil and sin, and he did not abandon us to the forces of darkness that, that want to separate us from him. God came after us, and as he did, he suffered for it. And he went through his pain and suffering so that he could be with you in your pain and suffering. Jesus knows what it's like. When we search for God in the middle of our pain and suffering, who we find is Jesus. We find a God who understands our pain. We find a God who identifies with us in our suffering. And, and while Jesus' suffering does not answer the question, why does God allow pain? It does tell us what the answer is not. It can't be that he doesn't love us. It can't be that he doesn't care for us. Again, Tim Keller writes, it cannot be that God is indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself. The last few weeks, you've heard us announce a workshop that we have coming up. It's free of charge. It's called Understanding Grief. And the idea is to use this workshop to teach you some tools so that you can know what to expect with your grief, to communicate in it and through your grief with the people around you. Some of you, your pain and suffering you're in right now has you going through some stages of grief. And, and I'll tell you, while this class is not counseling and it's not our grief share program, which is a longer term group experience that'll help you as you grieve, this may be a good starting point understanding grief. You can RSVP for that workshop on our website and let them know to expect you. All right, I don't have any easy answers for you today when it comes to the question of pain and suffering, but I, I do know this. Jesus understands your pain. He identifies with your suffering, and I believe he wants you to find comfort in him to come to him to bring your sorrow and your stress and your pain and your despair and turn to him because he understands. Now, during the first two weeks of this series, we introduced you to a challenge called Pascal's Wager. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century intellectual who, who challenged people, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. And if you're right, you got everything to gain. If you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. So make a bet that God is real. All right, this week, I want to challenge you to make Pascal's wager in relation to the hard stuff that you're going through. Specifically to pray this prayer. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me in my pain and my suffering. As you do this, you are inviting God to reveal himself to you in the, in the trials that you're facing. If you pray this prayer daily over the next few weeks, several times a day as it comes to mind with openness to God, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me in my pain and suffering. When you take on this wager, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. All right, would you stand with me as we close together? And as you're standing, I'll just let you know, author Frederick Buechner penned these words once. Here is the world, 
beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Here's the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Crosswinds, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's broken your heart. I don't know what has torn you down. I don't know what pain you're carrying. I don't know what suffering you are enduring, but we know this. Jesus understands your pain and he identifies with your suffering and he loves you. He will never leave you. And he promises, he promises that one day he'll come again to bring us home He promises he's preparing a place for us where there is no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep moving forward. You do not have to be afraid. Thank you for coming today. Would you go in peace?